Thank you for joining us on More Than That, a podcast where we dive a little bit deeper into what was preached on Sunday morning. We hope that this is enriching to your walk with Christ and that you love God and people that much more so that we can extend the glory of God to the people he has placed in our lives. So buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome to More Than That. So this week we had a, a sermon about the, the tablets being replaced after Moses smashed them after he came down and saw the golden calf. So Raphael had the really, really um, good sermon. So Raphael, if you had 10 extra minutes to dive into something, or something else, or expand on something, what would it be? And just for you all to to know, um, we do have a third person here. My daughter Arwen is is with us again. Um, so if you hear anything, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Hey, uh, so yeah, if I had 10 more minutes, I think one of the things that I wanted to dive into was um, if you get to the end of... Um, of that uh, passage, uh, God says, maintaining uh, faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So, um, first of all, like probably like, uh, before I tackle that, uh, this passage that we read on Sunday, that we walked through on Sunday, uh, is probably like, I would say, um, like I said, it is the anthem of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. When they really, when the people of Israel have to try to understand um, who is God or even plead with him, um, they they usually refer back to this passage um, so it's very important in terms of revealing who God is, um, and at the same time, um, uh, you know, a lot of people usually like would come back to. Um, and I think when whenever you've shared the gospel with other people, they would say, uh, they would say to you and me, um, but you don't know what I have done. Mm-hmm. You don't know what. You know yeah. what I have done. You don't know my sins. You don't know how gross they are and all that stuff. But like, I think this passage actually says, but you don't know who God is, you know? Um, so this passage really just kind of, it's God preaching his own name. It's God preaching his own about himself. And so it's very important to, um, you know, it, it's, this passage basically, like, uh, it answers every single objection. Uh, like I would say, it answers every single objection that you, like, people usually come up with uh, when it comes to, like, especially, like, you know, slow to anger. You know, that's who God is. That's what He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gracious. He's compassionate. Um, and and a lot of people usually would have even problems with God being like that. Yeah. Um, for example, Jonah. Jonah had a problem. Like he wanted God to literally like, 
do the opposite of that. But God was like, and Jonah says, I know this is who you were. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's that part, um, you know, but then there's also the other side that's, that makes people uneasy. Um, that makes people uneasy is going to be this whole idea where, where he said he does not, um, you know, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. Um, and that just brings you his holiness uh, in the fact that, like, God still remains holy. Um, he still remains, um, he still remains holy. And so, therefore, um, you know, he doesn't put, just because he's gracious, he does not give amnesty to sin. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to remain in our sin. Yeah. I think that's very important there. Um, basically, at the end of the day, where forgiveness, um, you know, uh, does not imply necessarily release from all consequences of one's actions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, though, you know what I mean? Like, it does, it does not mean that one will not pay, will not pay the full penalty uh, that God would otherwise impose. Um, but it also means that one will, in the end, experience redemption, right? Yeah. So, so there, the fact that the punishment extends for generation does not mean that God will continue to punish members of families if they repent. Yeah. Um, but yet, there's another thing in there. What, what I actually wanted to even dive in there was was probably like just you realizing that like the second, the third, the fourth generation um, is affected by the current generation's sins. Yeah, yeah, very much so. The day is actually like where that scripture there is also maybe just like where fathers and mothers and parents, we need to actually really just be a lot more aware of the fact that like Man, what we do in moderation, our kids will do in what? In excess. In excess, yeah. And so God there is actually yeah. maybe even just warning these families to say, hey, guys, just be careful how you live. Make sure you're reminding my children about mm-hmm. who I am. Yeah. Because, like, you know, but then you, you're going to have, like, let's say your Hezekiah and Manasseh, where Manasseh is, like, totally wicked king. And Hezekiah becomes a righteous king, mm-hmm. um, but that's rare. That's rare because some kings would just follow their father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. So basically, like it just—it's also an indictment to us as well, where we have to be very careful because, like, um, if we just think our kids are just going to make it on their own, and we live like the devil, um, basically, God here is saying that, like, hey, listen. Um, it's very easy for your kids to, to replicate your own sins, basically. Mm-hmm. And we see that. We see that, like, in, in quite a lot of those passages. In, yeah. uh, for example, like Isaac, uh, you know, Abraham uh, gives away Sarah, like when, you know, and then Isaac gets to do the same later on when he's under threat, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of watching the same kind of, like, sins. But at the same time, in Adam, we have sinned. Um, so it means that, like, basically, like, um, that the punishment can be severe um, uh, with, with repercussions on, the, on generations yet unborn. 
but yet, actually, yet the, the main point of this is that God is merciful. Um, and so this is like, so here, God is still saying, I'm holy. And we're going to see this in, in the later passages where when he's telling Moses to come up the mountain, everything that, that he's saying, don't let animals graze around, come by yourself, do this, this. God is still communicating that he's holy. Um, yeah. and, and the last thing I wanted to kind of tackle, I know you probably have a question or maybe a few other things, uh, would be the main context. I think what I've seen Exodus 34 being treated as is that like when we usually just kind of take it from 33 and we totally forget what's coming behind and usually we just jump in into where Moses says, show me your glory. Yeah. We parachute right into the middle of that and we forget the context of that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so for me, that's what like becomes very, very important. The spirit of the text, like looking in there, understanding what's going on, Moses is struggling with also the assurance of, okay, God, you've brought us this far. Mm -hmm. How can I be sure that you're going to continue to be with us? You promise, yes, you'll go with us. But you know what? Like, you're a holy God and there's sinful people. Where is the assurance? Like, I want the assurance that you're going to go with me. And God then takes and he gives him his name. Yeah. And he says, this is who I am. I'm a gracious God. And, and I am the same. Who I am is who I will be. That's really what you said. You proclaimed the name the Lord, and then he expounded on the name. Yeah. So what I actually like think is very important, because we're human beings, and we are constantly going to find ourselves in the time of Moses, like, like in the, not so much, we, we don't have a, a million people to lead or something mm -hmm. like that, but we'll find ourselves in hard situations where assurance gets shaken. Yeah. And there, we need to actually, like, uh, we need to continue to build our confidence in the assurance. And how do we build our confidence? It's by digging our roots deeper into who he is mm -hmm. and into his name. Yeah. So Thomas Brooks, um, one of my favorite Puritans, uh, in his book, Heaven on Earth, uh, he kind of gives, like, um, like four ways to pursue the duty of maintaining and strengthening your assurance. And, and this is actually what he gives. Number one, be diligent in using the means of grace and the spiritual disciplines which you first gained assurance, such as prayer, reading and hearing God's word, the Lord's Supper, and then being with in community. In community. He says that that actually continues to bolster your assurance when you are, you know, when you're praying, when you're reading scripture and you're hearing God's word, that's mm -hmm. actually what faith comes by hearing and hearing <laughs> God's word mm -hmm. by actually, you know, the Lord's Supper is the truth that you can touch, um, you know, mm -hmm. and then also being in community. He says that uh, your assurance kind of gets stronger there. Number two, meditate often on your spiritual and eternal privileges, such as adoption, justification, and reconciliation. Like meditate on those things. They're very important for you to kind of just like sit on, sit on those. What does it mean that I'm adopted? 
What does it mean that God <coughs> has justified me? Yeah. What does it mean that he has reconciled me? Mm-hmm. And recognize that like, okay, you know, and then just like that actually helps you know him and his character as well. Number three, value Christ even more than your assurance uh, and your graces. Like as in like, get to know, value Christ and what he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake mm-hmm. you. And there is a time when we have to override our conscience by truth. Yeah. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. so, uh, and then the number number four, use the degree of assurance you have. You have to strengthen your soul against temptations, corruptions, and to improve your Christian resolutions, affections, and life. Number five, walk humbly with your God. Right. Continue to humble yourself before Him. And then the last one, guard against those sins that have damaged the assurance. Of other of other believers, right, and consider solemnly the dreadful evils that would accompany your accompany your loss of assurance, including the difficulties of reviving it. Make sure that you never get to a point where it's so hard to revive you, meaning that like, and if we're going back, if you harden yourself against, you don't seek help from from the Lord in prayer. You harden yourself and you walk away from scripture. Like it just means you're walking away from, you're cold and it's going to be, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's that word when you finally like, uh, like you get cold and cold and cold. It's what, hypothermia? Hypothermia, like, yeah. Yeah, like there's a way in which like if you keep on moving away from the rays, mm-hmm. like from the warmth of the very things that keep you, keep your blood your alive your, yeah keep you alive <laughs> in Christ yeah if you move away from those it's going to be hard like and not only that you're going to find yourself have you ever realized like when you when you've been in the cold too long and you're now trying to be closer to get closer to the fire it hurts it hurts <laughs> to the point that sometimes you prefer to just go back and stay in the cold but that's not oh, yes. good for you either so don't stay there too long. Make mm-hmm. sure that, like, sometimes you have to press in through the needle, the, the, the pain of, like, that first impact of, like, warm water mm-hmm. with, the, with the frozen water. But, like, stay there. The warmth of God's, you know, prayer, mm-hmm. the warmth of, of, of reading and hearing God's word, the warmth of taking the Lord's Supper over and over to, to help yourself with assurance and the warmth of staying in community. Mm-hmm. That becomes important, and eventually you will thaw, but like don't stay out there because eventually you will freeze, and there is no way to revive that kind of heart. And yeah. so, so Moses here, what he gives us as an example of is he presses in into God. That last request he didn't have to ask. He presses in into God, and he says, God, man, I don't want to come back to this spot again. Show me your glory. Mm-hmm. And God says, I'm going to give you my name. And you know what's so, what's so amazing? Is what do we say when we pray at the end of every prayer? In whose name? In Jesus' name. What, what do we do in there? Mm-hmm. Every single time you pray... You do it in his name. Mm-hmm. 
and doing it in his name means that it's actually it's it's how we signature everything it's like you it, know it, there's some level of authority that comes with yeah. that name meaning that now we should never <laughs> underestimate mm-hmm. god i'm praying this is what's happening in jesus name a lot of us usually have gotten to undermine even what that means mm-hmm. but man by saying that, you are literally like, God, I bring my marriage that looks like as if it's dying, but I know you, like, but, but Lord, I'm really crying for help. Could you rescue and could you bring restoration and stuff? In Jesus' name, in the name of the one that is able to resurrect, mm-hmm. you came from the dead, I'm bringing my dead situation. Breathe into this. Yeah. I, so I think it's really good yeah. that, uh, to bring that, uh, to kind of riff off of that a little bit. Yeah. First of all, the whole, like, coming in out of the cold after you're playing in the snow, like, that's bringing back some childhood <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, I didn't want to remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> um, with, with Jesus, like, as we pray in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. um, it really reminds me of the Trinity. Um. And yes, like, yeah, we, we have the name of Jesus, but at the same time, what, who was Jesus? Yeah. He was God incarnate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was Yahweh incarnate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we wouldn't have understood, hey, by the way, guys, my name's Yahweh incarnate. Like, yeah. that doesn't make sense to us. But Jesus had a very specific name or meaning to his name. Yeah. And that's exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. So that, if you could use a word for it, it was anthropomorphic. Yeah, yeah. Of what is actually going on mm-hmm. with the person of Jesus. So we're whenever we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying in the name of Yahweh mm. using the word Jesus. Yeah, yep. There you go. Because Yeshua means God is salvation. Yes. And he has come. And so, and I just thought about this. The whole idea that, like, Moses asked to know God more, and God gave him his name. Mm-hmm. And we want to know God, you know, in order for God to introduce <clears throat> himself, to, uh, himself to us, he gave us Jesus' name. Yeah. Like, so what, what do we have as believers? The most treasured possession is his name. Mm-hmm. And and through in his name, then now we can be able to do, we can do the, we can be able to live lives, um, we can triumph mm-hmm. with his name because that's what that's our biggest inheritance. That's why I was saying that uh, when you when you warm yourself, even in the in the meditating your in in these eternal privileges like of adoption. Mm-hmm. What is adoption? <laughs> like, I am now being called by your name. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, and that 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 will literally just bring assurance back. Will he provide for me? Will he take care of me? Mm-hmm. Will he be with me? Will he do what he says he will do? Because of his name, yes, he will. You know, mm-hmm. because I'm called by his name. You know, he's rescued me. He's redeemed me. So mm-hmm. that's 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 it's very important. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think it was it's important to think and to remember that, you know, going back to, like, the beginning part of what you were saying, like, 
our actions have consequences. Yeah. And the sin that we commit yeah. will have consequences. You know, like I'm, my daughter fell asleep in my arms as you were talking. Yeah. And thinking about how... It's just my voice. <laughs> it, it might, I it put might a be. lot of people to sleep <laughs> in church. That's just what I <laughs> Although, with this past one, I don't know how, bit, how many people were able to sleep. <laughs> you got into it. I mean, it's a good text. It was. <laughs> it is. Um, but, you know, as I'm holding her and thinking about, okay, thinking about myself and the sins that I commit. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. Like, the sins that I commit ha- will have maybe not a direct effect on mm-hmm. her yeah. and any other children that my wife and I have. But it could be an indirect thing where it damages our, our relationship down down the line because... X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that that brings me to want to repent even more to keep Jesus in mind. Yeah, yeah. For mm-hmm. the sake of her. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so the other thing is, like, you know, you, were, you did talk a lot about... Um, Jesus? The, <laughs> yes. The, the I am statement. Yeah. Um, so, could you run us through exactly what the whole "I am" thing really is, and what it, what's going on there? I mean, they. Um, what's interesting about that that word there, um, and that that kind of goes back. The unity of Exodus as well is like that here when Moses. Um, you know, the first time God revealed himself to Moses, uh, it's in Exodus chapter 34, 3, verse 14. And God replied, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. After Moses said, who do I say sent me? Mm-hmm. said, I am. This is what you have to say uh, to Israelites. I am. Send me to you. And then he says, this is how I'm going to be known. Right? Mm-hmm. And then so when Moses is saying, show me your glory, God is showing it's almost it's an extension of that, mm-hmm. um, but like there are branches to that. The first branch to uh, to that because I am, if you do languages, it's it's called a verb, verb to be. Yeah, like it's a verb of being. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like what God says. He's saying I exist. <clears throat> mm-hmm. This is who I am. It's a so, part. It's the foundation of His existence. Yeah, yeah. So. Basically, like, so the, the first kind of, like, branch of that is that I cause to be. Mm-hmm. Like, so I am, so I cause to be. This is how it could be translated, I cause to be, and which is actually, like, it's, it's, uh, it's referring to him as being creator and sustainer of all that exists. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's both the Lord of creation and history, and all that is happening a God who's active and present in historical affairs, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a, there's also another way you can translate that. I have always been who I have always been, which is means the, basically like he is the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and he will act in a way which is consistent with his track record, mm-hmm. right? Like So that just yeah. kind of just like shows God himself saying, this is who I am, um, you know, uh, and he says, and then also another, 
like the, another way you can translate that is like I am who I am, which is basically at the end of the day God self-defining rather than He's self-defining rather than His definition shaped by others. Mm-hmm. Which is cool because yeah. if mm-hmm. God is, so I'm gonna throw out the actual word for it. I say, <laughs> which is just self-existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah there you go. Asadi of God. Yeah, yeah. Like if God is. Asse and has mm-hmm. a seity, then he gets to define who he is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not based on a, cr- a prior creator. Yeah, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, mm-hmm. it caused to be. Yeah. It's not, I was caused to be. It's like, yeah. I am the cause to be. Yeah. So I'm the foundation yeah. of all of this. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. That's a, which that means up. that he's pure yeah. and perfect yeah. at the same time. And which is so beyond our. Mm-hmm. A scope of thinking. It's, it's it's something that this whole passage here, to tell you the truth, like it's just like there's a part of it where you have to almost tread lightly mm-hmm. because like you're like wow. While actually like I hear what you're saying, I know this is like I can grasp it just a little bit, but then there's so much more to this, you know. Yeah. I I and so basically he's like basically so. It, at the end of the day, he is a God who's self-defining, but I will be who I will be. And basically, he determines the future. Um, God will be what matters also in the future, basically. That's mm-hmm. where, like, at the end of the day, whether you go 2150, uh, 20, God is still going to be what's the most important thing mm-hmm. there. Um and so, so they're just like some of the, this is like almost like he, he is not just revealing, he's not revealing a label. He's revealing the sum of his being, <coughs> mm-hmm. his character and his nature. Um, and then so, and then so at the end of the day here, so he, the focus is his essence, but then he breaks it down to actually his character. Mm-hmm. Like as in like, okay, so you want to find out more about like this Though I am self self existent, self sustaining, sovereign God, like let me share with you my character. But you know what actually like is so important? Oh, I almost forgot about this. <laughs> what is so important, and I forgot to mention this in our sermon. Perfect time. If you take yeah <laughs> if you take Molech, mm-hmm. One it of was, the gods. Well, okay, I was gonna say who's who's Molech for those of, uh, he, <laughs> that weren't like. He is us. the guy, the god of the Amorites. Mm-hmm. Like, if you take every foreign god, whether it's Zeus, whether it's like, if you take like uh, the Greek mythologies, you take Molech or you take uh, Baal, you take all these. Like, you take Baal, you take uh, his, uh, you know, you take um, what you call it, like. Uh, Yum, who's the god of the sea, and all mm-hmm. these other gods during that time, they don't want to be known no. fully. No, yeah. They keep their subjects guessing. At, one, at any moment, you could make them mad, and you don't know. And we see that like by actually, like, you know, a lot of people usually just think, oh, it was just a storm during Jonah. Mm-hmm. For them, like in the seas, people usually stayed away from the seas because just like in the Greek mythology, Poseidon is the one who rules what? The seas, right? Like, and so he makes the waves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When they're actually saying like, throw these things, 
over like and then obviously like the reason why they actually can throw Jonah over is because he's saying he made God angry. Mm-hmm. If they throw, it's almost as if like he is a sacrifice to yeah. actually like the sea God. And then after that, they worship. Like we don't know, are they worshiping God or they? Mm-hmm. So that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Because for them, if he was mad, they wouldn't know why. But what is so amazing about the God who comes in and makes himself known is that like, you don't have to guess why he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, because he comes and he brings his covenant, and mm-hmm. he, he spells it all out, and he does all that stuff, and then he just like, he says, I am who I am, my cause to be, this is actually, and this is my covenant for you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a beauty there, like of a God who makes himself known. Um, and that was totally contrary to any other God in the ancient mm-hmm. Near East. Yeah, they didn't. Um, I've heard it said other in other spaces. Mm-hmm. They didn't necessarily punt to mystery. Yeah, yeah. Like because of like keeping the New Testament, and since we live in a New Testament yeah. era, um, you know that mystery is Christ. Yeah, yeah. So if we're gonna punt to anything, we're gonna punt to Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, that keeps Christ in focus. Yeah. Which is so, so there is some way in mm-hmm. which you're watching God still remaining holy, powerful, mm-hmm. but still remaining personal with his people. Yeah, he's not, mm-hmm. he wants his people to know who he is. Yeah, and yeah, that's, and that's so, so, yeah, cool. and to know, like, I was listening, you know, you know, me and my philosophy. <laughs> I just how how much I love that area of study. Um, yeah, I was listening to a metaphysician. Okay, um, Tim P- Tim Pickavans. Um, okay, not Jordan Peterson. Right? No, not Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Tim Pickavans. I don't know. If, I don't know if Peterson would consider himself a metaphysician or not. <laughs> but he was talking about this yeah. about knowing God. Because, I mean, he deals a lot with epistemology, which is just the theory of how we come to know things. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, one of the things, basically was saying, like, one of the things that God loves is epistemology because he wants us to know him. Mm-hmm. And knowing him is twofold. It's like an intellectual, like, like, I can see you're wearing a plaid shirt. Like, that's like a... It's a factual type of type of thing, like. But does it have anything to do with who you are? Maybe. But yeah. I can know some. <laughs> but I can know something about you yeah. based upon that and your style, and how to like. I had you um, this year for Secret Santa, and um, I got you that that uh, Natural Remedies book. Yeah. Like. I knew this fact about you yeah, and how you, yeah. you like the natural remedies and, and things like that. But also, it's because of our relationship that yeah. I knew that that's something you would enjoy. Yeah. So it was a, a factual knowing, but it was also a relational knowing. Yeah. So yeah. pursuing God, pursuing, getting, getting to know what's in the Bible um, on more than just a spiritual level. Yeah. Uh, Fulfills that like twofold 
um, type of knowing that God wants us to have. Yeah, um, that's good. Thinking, you know, spe- thinking specifically about like um, John, John the Baptist, like when he was on trial, getting ready to have his um, head, you know, in his in his lap, uh, like. What did Jesus point him to? It was this like factual thing yeah. that was also pointing to the relational side yeah. of him. Yeah, it's like he was using that that historical, personal, um, mm-hmm. tangible evidence. Yeah, to point to the relational side of himself. Yeah, it's like maybe that's that a, maybe that's yeah. something that as as Christians, like I'm a thinker, you're a thinker. Yeah. As Christians, yeah, we can gravitate towards that, but it doesn't mean that, yes, because we gravitate towards that, that there's not this relational knowing as well. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so so we 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 get to know, and which which is why we have to be studying scripture. We have mm-hmm. to, um, you know. But never mistake just what we know for relationship. Yeah. Uh, make sure that like we're communing with the person, mm-hmm. so that like then yeah yeah then we apply uh, we apply what we know about mm-hmm. and there's just some way in which um, I'm gonna say this and this would be probably how we approach someone already reveals what we think we know about them mm-hmm. like and there is a way in which like God here makes Himself known. So that he can, so that basically, like we can approach him. Yeah. And and I've seen quite a lot of people usually say that, like like I was saying, you don't know what I've done. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But then I always say, but you don't know who God is. Yeah. Uh, what do I mean by that? I'm just saying, like, well, you said he was compassionate. Mm-hmm. But I know that, like, basically, but don't look at him, and maybe measure him with all the people that have said they're this and they've given up on you, this is a wholly other different being. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just number one, don't put him, um, this is what A.W. Toza said, and, and I was going to say this even on Sunday. A.W. Toza says, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Mm-hmm. That's just like yeah. the most important, your first thought about what, as soon as we say God, what comes to mind, yeah, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Why? Because that's going to approach that. That's going to just, that's going to have almost like a bearing on how you approach him. Mm-hmm. That's going to have a bearing of like, what do you do after you've sinned? Oh, yeah. what, you know, mm-hmm. he's not surprised. You are not surprised. But like at the same time, you, you know he's forgiving in Christ, but like, what do you do? Do you want to go hide, or do you move towards him? And that just shows like, and there, that's actually like where it's like, oh, maybe I don't know him as much as I think I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I if I'm acting like I'm a I'm not a son anymore, if I'm acting as if like. Uh, he's going to disown me if I'm, that's just all those mm-hmm. kind of, I would say all our insecurities and everything as believers really are grounded on that. Yeah. That like, you need to know him more. There's just a lot of times when 
when I've had to just kind of get to a point where someone says something about me or they, they, you know, say something about me or they act in a certain way. And I just have to come, come down to the term, I don't think they know me. Mm-hmm. So, and, just, yeah. and in that way, they, then it's like, it's like, I think they just need to get, spend more time and just get to know me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will actually resolve itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that. Yeah. Why don't we just leave it there? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, like, just to kind of sum things up, um, you know, Moses was able to do what he did Yeah. because of that twofold knowing mm-hmm. of God. He knew th- facts about God, but he also knew God personally and relationally. So, you know, as you're listening to this, reflect on that. Yeah. Does, is your knowledge of God just purely, like, what you can find in a book? Or is it something where you actually know this personal being, this, this I am? Do you know him? So, as you're going from there, I just want to remind you, it's not a replacement for the sermon, it's a supplement, it's a vitamin to it. It's also a supplement to being involved in a local church. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a church home and you're within driving distance of us, we would love to meet you. Um, and if you already are plugged into a, a local church, that's awesome. Continue serving and um, continue being faithful there. So, Raphael, thank you uh, thank for you. the conversation and for the sermon on Sunday. Have a blessed weekend.